0: I'm and you're listening to Undercurrent, a podcast complementing the Undercurrent art space at 70 John Street in Brooklyn. It's just me today, and in a bit, you'll hear my and Adriana's interview with Alex Maruzziu. But first, I wanted to let you know that Alex's collaboration with Sidney Shavers, as well as the collaborations of 13 other teams from the various unmute permutations, are on public display currently at two separate venues, Undercurrent and the Austrian Cultural Forum New York. Even better, this Friday, September 24th, Undercurrent is inviting you to listen to some of the artists talk about their experiences with Unmute, with a reception to follow. The talk begins at 6 and the reception should begin around 7. Please come and bring appropriate masking and proof of vaccination. Weather permitting, much of the action will be outside, but all the same. Learn more about the reception at Undercurrent.nyc, but learn more about the public shows at Unmute.nyc. Co-curated by Dinah Mattis and Melinda Wong, Unmute is an international group exhibition of works by 28 artists across multiple disciplines. On view at the Austrian Cultural Forum New York and Undercurrent, the exhibition is the culmination of an 18-month-long project that provided European and NYC-based artists an opportunity for critical exchange and collaboration during the COVID-19 global pandemic. The exhibition brings back pairings from both 10001 and 10002, and some work will be up at Undercurrent, and the majority of pieces will be up at the Austrian Cultural Forum, on 11 East 52nd Street in Manhattan. And now about our guest. Romanian Alex Murutsu's practice extends over a wide range of media and activities, including sculpture, film, drawing, poetry and performance, as well as critical and curatorial projects. His practice interrogates the ontological medium of remaining, exploring the conflict between desire and strategic action. Inspired by philosophy, literature, and design, he's questioning the politics of incontinence and the self's irrational integrity as gateways to a more astute grasp of our humanity. As part of his theoretical practice, Maurizio has lectured at Royal College of Arts London, Von Kral Theater Estonia, Kunstfax, Stockholm, and Bezala University of Art and Design Tel Aviv. He has collaborated with artists, writers, musicians, designers, and philosophers, including Grit Hochmeister, Elias Marino, Graham Faust, and Graham Harmon. And I meant to ask him about Graham Harmon in the interview, but I forgot. His work has been shown at Power Plant, Glass Factory, Muscarno Kunsthalle, the Center for Contemporary Art and National Museum in Warsaw, the National or the Museum of Contemporary Art in Bucharest, Kunsthalle Moulthaus, Kunsthalle Winterthur, Kunsthalle Bega, the Center for Contemporary Art in Tel Aviv, the Royal Academy of Arts in London, and the Venice Biennale. Thank you, Alex, for joining us here on the podcast. And we wanted to start asking you about, or we wanted to start by asking you about your unmute experience where you were part of Team Branch with Sydney Shavers from New York. So could you tell us about, uh, first, about the final project that the two of you sort of developed?
1: Okay, yeah. Um, first of all, um, thanks, thank you very much for inviting me to this podcast. And um, I might say that it has been a great pleasure to collaborate with Sydney, Sydney Shavers. She's uh, an amazing artist. And I think um, we were, I was lucky to be paired with her because she, and I think she, She confirmed uh, to me this, too, actually. (laughs) Uh, She was happy to work with me, too. But I think it's it's mostly because we have um, a performance background, both of us, and uh, we also kind of clicked on on a kind of, let's say, conceptual level. And uh, we seem to be very connected from these two perspectives. And um, also conceptual writing as well. You know, she 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 does that too, and yeah. And over the past um, ten weeks, I guess uh, we've been uh, meeting online, and um, sometimes one once a week, sometimes twice a week. And in between, we also had kind of brief um, briefs um, <laughs> uh, using other platforms. So. Yeah. Uh we we went through many kind of uh, um, um like root roots. We started let's say very kind of conceptual and we found like a, a common terrain language and we started from that point on uh poetry and the metaphor so we were we moved around all those sort of things. And to move quickly uh, you know at some point we realized that we also want to make uh, objects. And so we kind of pushed this idea this mode of working onward towards this idea of okay we are kind of collaborating via screens uh so but hopefully you know with the with a common exhibition with the coming exhibition we would also want want to present some sort of situations installations objects and uh, so everything went towards that direction quite briefly you know what can i tell you um yeah, uh I think we both went into this into this project kind of trying to reposition our previous works into this format. At least this is what I did. So, I wanted to adapt previous projects or ideas that I kind of ideas that lingered lingered in my head. I did so in uh in expressing some sort of I kind of re picked up on the on a previous project called, uh, in which I kept moments of silence uh, for some situations in my life. I used this kind of uh, tree, which uh, in a form of a double or a self-portrait, I wanted to record uh, to kind of freeze a moment in time uh, of this object outside of me. Using this kind of devices, I tried to, to kind of invent a, a way to Record this um, this moment that it doesn't necessarily have to be very kind of significant. That's the whole point in 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 this project. But is the um, the beauty of it is the idea of the impossibility of of holding something, of um, keeping something in memory, of lasting. You know, and uh, it has to do after all with the idea of death and perishing and all those sort of things. And uh, roughly, this is what I, I proposed, and uh, Sydney came up with the idea of making kind of utopic chairs, impossible almost to uh, sit on. It's a kind of a chair that is beyond a chair. And so uh, the discomfort that makes, that that um, creates uh, by sitting on it, it reminds me of this idea of the, the things that we design and end up being designed by the objects that we design, this idea of ontological design. And I think she's very much on top of this subject. And we want to pair these situations, these videos that I did and images with her objects, which by the way, she calls them, uh, she wants to treat them also as kind of pedestals or pedestals to my objects, to my sculptures. We have to create a sort of dialogue. It's still under, under process, in process. Can you
0: describe what your objects? If if I understand correctly, your objects are something like molds.
1: Yes, of, yes you're very right.
0: Can you describe them in a little bit more detail? Like oh, what yeah, they're molds I mean, of?
1: Um, they are quite rudimentary, if you if you, if if you want, you know. Um, but um, as I said before, it's not it's not the, the material that so much is important, but the idea behind it. But if you want to talk about them, it's like a sort of a clay that goes in between the intersection of the branches of the of the tree which kind of takes the form of the intersection. instead of taking a photograph or measuring the, the, the intersections, the, the branches, I used kind of a hands-on paste to kind of take on the spot this kind of... Uh, form, this kind of, um, it, 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 has to do with this kind of recording, this kind of measuring taking pulse of something that will eventually grow, develop, decay. And with the idea of coming back to it in 10 years, five years, coming back to this object, which in a way, metaphorically is coming back to myself. The which... clay,
2: the clay becomes like a measuring tool of the negative space
1: yes 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 it it, is true so
0: the reason i asked is because and adriana brought up negative space and there's also it's very much a recording of absence because the clay sits where there where there is nothing and you know you're also talking about in in the photographs you have your moments of silence where there's a reflection on some kind of absence something that was no longer there that you're remembering in some way and then sydney her chairs, if I under, if I remember correctly, she plans on like painting them green and with a sort of white and gray checkerboard. That's the absence of space in, uh, Photoshop or, uh, yeah, yeah, in Photoshop. And so there's this kind of way in which you're both dealing with trying to find what's not there or trying to gesture at creating something that will, will become, that should be invisible, like a green screen or the transparency in Photoshop that should be invisible. But because we can't really make the invisible invisible, or we have to, because the invisible is malleable in some way, there's the trace of it takes on some kind of material form. That is to say, like, if you're creating an image with transparency in it, you can change what that transparency looks like. That's what I mean by malleable. But the only way you can see it is because the checkerboard shines through. It's,
1: yeah, true. Yeah, very very well said, it's true. Yeah, there, and I think there is, a, I think you pointed out very clearly that there is a direct link between our works in the sense of absence, of dealing with absence, absence as, um, or the lack as a medium, so something that has to kind of have a form in order to come back to it. And yes, definitely she uses this kind of checkerboard, as you said, this kind of, and this, the, this, the green screen, which is um, used in cinema, mm-hmm. is the thing that you basically, right, project other images. So what can I add to, to what you already said very well is that the idea of foundation uh, foundations and the foundation came pretty often in our our discussions and the idea that we need some sort of infrastructure uh, in order to know where we are and what what's the, to move on. And uh, so the idea of foundations seem to be a recurrent theme in terms of uh, having a clean slate in her case and to coming back to my sort of approach Is the finding of some sort of stable ground because the objects that i'm referring to are as i said i treat them more or less like mirrors so it's like coming back to to me so it's it's something that has to kind of ground me but of course the the idea of discomfort as well comes comes into the picture and and the idea of this kind of futility the idea of transient time and passing of the time passing of time and um yeah and the idea of pedestals as a
0: prop i i I just want to sort of close the loop that i was that i would started on because the the pedestal was sort of the last the last part of this because in in one sense the chairs uh sydney's chairs you can think of as not there as objects to be consumed in an artistic way but rather as objects to present other objects that are then consumed or as objects that support the viewer you know that the viewer sort of sits on them while looking at other things and then that was also why the the idea of taking traces from the tree is also uh, thinking about and then when you started talking about doubling like the way that the uh, the tree stands in not as a as a support but as a reflection of the you that is busy thinking about something else and that you take, measurement of the tree at that moment to remember that moment of silence as well and over time you grow you know your melancholy turns to mourning whatever and the tree grows as as well but you still have this uh the material memento of that moment when there was still something else going on that's all
1: yeah yeah it's beautiful how you how you said it yes definitely thanks um, uh it's um uh, I have a couple of other works that kind of relate to this um, idea of memorialization and um, this kind of mourning uh, of, of some, of time and uh, of whatever parts of me. What, uh, so uh, they're called uh, units of survival. So it is kind of, it can be called units of survival too, you know, this work. And another work of mine is a, kind of a self portrait at 29. This is the title. And it's a small, small, uh, almost kind of stunted in in its growth uh, plant that grows in my hometown on on a roof of a building, which I cannot ever kind of uh, approach physically. And it just grows there very uh, minutely. And I always kind of uh, film it and record its presence out of like from... 50 100 meters. I call it self-portrait of myself at 29 because I started to look at it and record its presence and acknowledge its presence when I was 29. It's almost like a fixture. It's like um, it can be another object that I'm kind of focused on or having my, all my attention towards that object. Uh, but it is something that helps me to ground myself and my kind of and. After developing this kind of work, I also kind of think of it as, um, and it relates to the work uh, that you are talking about with the tree and the negative spaces that uh, Adriana was also speaking. It's, um, it has to do with the idea of sort of bastardization. I'm not sure if that exists in English. The idea from, uh, that a plant is, just doesn't belong to any, anyone. It's just fixed itself there out of thin air and it tries to grow itself and to resist and to be resilient in an unwelcoming environment. And at least at that point, I felt the same, that my development was kind of in that time, uh, to some degree even now, uh, is kind of, that is, uh, yeah, it's it's difficult to uh, kind of develop in a country that uh, very often doesn't um, appreciate and support the artistic process. And so it's almost like a plant just goes mad and just, and grows in a place where it, its life is tough uh, it, it, It's kind of uh, unnatural for it to grow, but it still grows. And is this a metaphor of, of resilience that I really enjoyed? And, resilience
2: you know, through kind of, Structure because plants grow where they're planted by. By I mean, I always think about that, like, I'm not a good plant person. I I don't have the the patience, Um, but I actually can relate because when I was born, they bought a plant for me and it survived for 22 years, which, first of all, I don't know how that has happened because it's definitely gone parched for more than a week. Um, but as it's grown through the um, the pot it has its branches has have you know reached out towards the sun at any part of the house. Mm-hmm. So thinking about this act of reaching and this act of movement from stagnancy is something that I I wanted to talk to you about actually. Um, I have a quote by <clears throat> the amazing Hannah Arendt. she this is from one of her essays she says we have arrived in a situation where we do not know at least not yet how to move politically and i got a lot of this tension from your work of movement and stagnancy and dance performance movement as an act of subversity against um, structures that be i mean there's a lot of writing on how dance is kind of like against normative pedestrian movements I wanted to boil that all down to a silly question about this existence on the digital for the past for the past almost a year maybe a year now and this residency kind of having to create connections and have movement of the body through the mediation of the computer or the device
1: well uh, the residency came in a very in almost got like a perfect moment if you you're right? It, because we I mean I at least kind of almost got accustomed to to being more uh, online than uh, offline. I was already doing um, uh, the last year some um, uh, workshops online and used Zoom uh, more often and lectures and things like that. So to be honest, for a performer, uh, for somebody who enjoys uh, one-to-one and, and like live uh, interaction, this technology is kind of lacking. But I can't just hide and say that you know, yeah, it's it's it, it is interesting. We can work around it, but there's a lot uh, that we 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 lose in the meantime. You know, performers and choreographers and all the people working in the, in the live arts are all accustomed to the idea of what is the recording of a performance and what is the performance and all this kind of debate of, you know, is this a recording or this is the live performance and how you treat it. And I'm actually a bit bored with that. But and now we are fa- we, we faced the reality of having uh, f- which forces us to think. Am I doing, am I recording something and treat it as a video? Is this a video? Is this a performance? A performance? Am I like choreographing now? Am I, is this staged? All these sort of questions, which are interesting, you know, but um, something in me tells me that, you know, I'm, I'm a person who wants kind of the adrenaline and the, the, the whole live experience that you get out of performing live, for example, or having a, a simple conversation live, you know. I get more input out of a conversation that I have live than, um, and my whole being changes, my whole approach, even my English changes. You know, the, my, the, the quality of my words, the way I relate, and, and it's just the thing, just how it is, I guess. You know, so I mean, it. This collaboration was really great. It was also great because. Sydney was is is a person that I I relate directly, but quite and you know and we laughed a lot and we have this kind of very uh, nice uh, dynamic, but there's so much interference in between two people, you know, and like how, how, you know, we had discussions, how how do we exchange what we use PDFs? Uh, where do we put all the materials that we work on so that we see them all the time? Uh, how shall we like what we chat and then we make a video and it, it can it can get complicated, you know? <laughs> and it's like, um, and like who wants to, to complicate life <laughs> like that, right? So, oh God. Um, Anyway, we did it to some degree, but uh, <laughs> nevertheless, it is a challenge. Challenges are also kind of interesting form. And it, can you imagine, uh, Adriana, I mean, and uh, Mosier can you imagine to put an exhibition without even having, you know, I, I, most of the times I go to the, to the space if I can and like have a spatial relationship to the, to the whole thing, you know, you now I cannot. <laughs> Sydney can maybe because she's yeah. There. yeah
2: it's Which wild is, it's wild I mean wild. yeah I was talking to a friend yesterday and I had a show in Miami maybe a couple of months ago and I only bring this up because all of the work was not physical it was projected onto the wall through hidden projectors on the ceiling and so it was totally I mean I felt like a Luddite even talking about the show with the curator I, I was like <laughs> (laughs) uh are you sure this is going to inspire (laughs) like there's there's no somatic interrogation between the person and the work anymore it's not an object it's a it's a reproduction or an idea of an object and so that has been i mean with the internet that has been so i mean and this past year it's been such a point of tension especially among you know art circles which is like and one might even i'm not going to bring it up but nfts you can take that out almost here but this idea of like the hierarchy of image and like, what is what is the real experience and what is a copy of the experience? And it sounds like you think about that a lot in performance and yeah. kind of the occlusion of the audience now, since there is no, the audience is amorphous. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's very, it's correct, really. And um, I might, I might add that, you know, at some point I think I brought this, uh, this up uh, with Sydney, and I, and I actually felt that during our discussions, at some point, I felt like I'm a curator, not an artist. <laughs> so I thought, uh, what, what are we doing here? Because uh, we are like conceptually debating all the sort of things, but it seemed that we are kind of moving, for, moving away from being an artist, you know, and I feel comfortable in talking about interesting things and notions and things like that. I think Sydney too, but, uh, but I, I felt like I was more a curator than a, an artist because it's, it's in the way a little bit, uh, to the, the, the medium itself, the idea of the using zoom, the, the zoom and chat and things like stand in the way of, of thinking that you will eventually, that you are an artist and you you, you will produce something in a physical form. It's not just a conceptual you know, debate or something like that. So, yeah, this kind of plays with your head.
0: So you're saying that the the sort of productive process doesn't really lend itself to something like Zoom, like you can't screen share doing yeah. sculpture or or screen share being outside, taking photographs of yourself. And
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is, it has to do with that. Yeah, it has to do with that. And um,
0: so the Zoom and... call is... Sorry, the Zoom call is is not it's not collaborative in the sense of the actual process of making something. It's more just it it's all foreplay. It's all just talk ahead of time and then yeah. okay, uh by next week we'll have done A B C, but that that zoom can't play a role in that.
1: I think yeah, it's it's true. It's an interesting term you use uh, as, as a foreplay. Something just goes on. Uh it's almost like Sorry to say it's like, like never reaching orgasm, but, mm-hmm. uh, but something else it, it's uh, interesting. And I think it can be um, helpful for many artists. I am an artist who is comfortable with talking about his work. I enjoy talking about my work in a sense. I, I enjoy formulating ideas and formulating my thoughts and putting them together about some specific topic. And that help. it helped because language was the only, more or less the only, the main mode medium. And that's kind of interesting, you know. So it's like like a director of a film. You have to put everything in your words in order for the actor to understand where you are, what you want out of the scene. So it's a matter of formulating. The more you are able and competent in formulating, isn't it, your thoughts, and what you are and what you want and everything like that, the better. But this is takes a lot of energy because I mean, I, I can like, I can just draw a sketch at some point and be roughly quicker than, uh, you know, than have a page of description and it will be more direct, but I cannot so much, you know. So even if I make a sketch and show it to, for example, to you guys or to Sydney, you know, I also have to talk on top of the sketch
2: It's like showing and telling.
1: Yeah, sorry.
2: Showing and telling. It's like showing and telling.
1: So this kind of dialogue, it's quite, it's interesting, but uh, it is nevertheless demanding, you know, and uh, it's language based. First of all, even if now we are looking at each other, yes, of course, but it's the words that really transmit what we want, and not everybody is so kind of familiar or willing to be bathing in a pool of words and express whatever. I had that's, one why I said this, just, that's why I said I felt a little bit like a curator because it was everything like just, just talking about it, talking about it. So.
2: Yeah, I, I resonate with that too. But also like thinking again about your work, which by the way, oh my God, your drawings. I was just, I want one
1: maybe one, maybe
2: one day when I'm wealthy. Um, but in other, (laughs) um, I was thinking about like the deconstruction of knowledge in your work and how that actually meets, um, this project you've done for unmute. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it seems like also the plinths or the pedestals will be, um, painted green. So they will be in a sense projected onto and perhaps invisible or taking on a different form. Is that correct?
1: Well, to be honest, uh, I cannot say 100% how the objects will be in terms of uh, Sydney's part. Mm. Um, what, what, what I know is what you already know. So it's not, you know, the idea of, that she paints them in um, either in transparent kind of um, pattern Mm-hmm. or uses this kind of in some form or uh, is the green the green screen but she plays with this idea of materiality but like hidden materiality is like it's there but it's not there of course right. it's just a matter of, of conventions because <laughs> yeah any object is there I mean you can see it but it is camouflaged in a way using this kind of prerequisite I don't, I don't know how, how it's called um, that we all right. know that that means like a symbol
0: yeah the convention of uh convention yes yes yes. the the green of the green screen only makes something transparent when there's the mediation of a filter that uses the chroma key to take that green out
1: yeah that's it that's the process you're very right but following
2: following that maybe possibility it's been really interesting again about your work this like turn to the anti-monument in a way. So you get this like disappearing of the pedestal perhaps, but not the object that sits upon it. So you're getting this weird, and again, like maybe a utopic like desire for the end of, the end of monumentality, the end of art galleries, the end of, you know, object hierarchy, which is really interesting to me. And we were talking with, um, we were talking to about like, where where this digital turn or what this digital turn means for art galleries and means for like viewer interaction with work and whether the digital has these possibilities for bodily emancipation or like I know for a lot of people a lot of my friends like art galleries don't feel safe for them to walk into and there's all this you know discussion about the white cube as another instator of power and control and i guess i'm wondering with someone who deals with performance or movement or the body like how do you see like new possibilities for the digital um to create uh, a new a new sort of art gallery a new sort of interaction with work
1: oh that's a com- quite complex uh question To it seemed that lately the, for, for the past maybe. 10, 15 years, galleries, museums have picked on the, on the importance of performance. And you've probably all seen performance coming into the museum, into the institution. And so, so ephemeral, uh, ephemeral manifestation of art in relationship to other objects in the museum. You know, people, artists who are, you know, work with collections on different levels. So, so there is an interest, growing interest in that. Uh, I'm not sure if if i I hope I'm not like avoiding your your question, but uh the interest is there in this kind of respect now on the idea of the white cube uh, as being you, you you mentioned something that people were afraid are afraid of oh
2: i I just meant like you know institutions have these histories of of violence, whether that be stolen artifacts and discussions around returning artifacts or just even what institutions represent for people of color, or I guess, I guess my question was quite vague, but I was like, I'm always wondering about like how different artists feel about this new, I don't, I hesitate to say new because the internet is not new, but new turn of the digital in terms of art and how can performance or how can the body be present online? And if, if that's possible for you as a performer?
1: I, I don't know. Uh, it's just to, I, I don't know how, how things uh, can develop. Uh, but anyway, I think we are moving in the, in, in the direction of, arch, uh, of archiving everything, this kind of having everything recorded for whatever, for the next generation, for whatever, for history. So this is what I noticed. The more you archive, the more you photograph and videotape and all the sort of things, something that you are doing in a gallery or everywhere, the better because there is this kind of shifting material that goes uh, on and on uh, online. And uh, there were events in which I was invited to restage or re, re-show uh, a, a an older performance of mine, the recording and all this sort of stuff so it because of this hunger in a way uh, in this period at least uh, of live events and all this sort of things people kind of moved towards let's kind of revisit what this artist has been doing and you know we maybe we can recontextualize um, something um, of his work or her work. This is something that I can add. I'm, I'm not sure um, what other things can, uh, n- n- I'm not sure, n- No. I think nobody really knows in a way what, what, what the hell we are in, going through, you know, and what, how it will impact us in a way. I'm not sure, but there is great potential. Maybe people are already thinking of strategies in, in using moving images more um, productively in the art process in whatever, you know. I mean, I've seen, for example, bad examples, most of them were bad examples of theater plays being recorded with one camera or two cameras, like stable cameras. Well, I don't regard that as, uh, as the theater play. I regard that as some sort of recording for personal purpose, you know? But that, I mean, it's not helpful for for me to just see the only the stage, the full stage all the time. I want like close-ups. I want interaction. I want that. And then that becomes something else. So the director has to kind of more or less assume that it's something else. You know what I mean? It's so strange. But we have to. I think everyone kind of has to be has to. Be careful about all those sort of things, you know. And I think I I remember we, I talked with Sydney too about those, all, all these things because uh, uh, what in we we question what traces do we leave in this process of this art residency, and if we leave this trace, if I show this image, is this the image that because it will remain in 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 the database of the of the website, right, and People will see it in a format, but maybe I'm not, I don't intend to, for it to be seen like that, finally, so we, we, we had to kind of be always in some sort of pendingness, in some sort of process, thinking that, yes, this is more like a working paper for something, a sketch for something, to defend myself, more or less. I didn't want to say that that's like, that's the work. The, the collage that uh, is maybe one collage that is there on the, on the that you have it and ever you know, it's that, that's not the work, you know, and not even the, the images of the chairs of Sydney. This is not the work. The work must happen sometime in, in the gallery. So we had to kind of find a way to, I mean, if you're a serious artist, you'll have to think like that. I mean, you, you just can't throw sketches and texts and pages of, you know, and uh, anywhere. You have to kind of know what these mean in the economy of your end result. Because I am kind of a classical artist. I like to have an end result, you know. Uh, Me too. Who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I think everybody kind going write. It's like rewarding. You want the reward. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So no, but that, I, that I, was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a difficult question, to be honest. I, I, I'm not sure. If I know.
2: That. I'm sorry. I was just like, I'm so like, I think we're <laughs> all like, you know, living in this moment. And it's such an interesting thing to talk about. Where do we exist within the digital? Yeah. And yeah, I just... That was a perfect answer. I mean, it's really interesting to see how other people are thinking about images and images, image economy too.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, we work with images or with text, you know, all those sort of things. Yeah, sorry.
0: There's also a way just that the digital, you know, like I mentioned earlier with the green screen, it it it's a required mediator to to sort of make the convention a truth. You know, we. We all see the results of green screens before we actually are old enough to know how green screens work, um, or you know, Alex for you and me it was blue screens back in the day. So, but then on the other hand, there's a way that you're you're talking about the digital as as a kind of deferral, as as a means by which we sort of do what we can with what we can while while waiting for mm-hmm. something else to emerge, uh, which isn't to say necessarily a return to how things were in 2019 or something along those lines, but for something mm-hmm. to appear that can receive all of this all of this deferred creative energy that hasn't properly been been sent into these kinds of digital artifacts. Like I was really struck by your by what you were saying about, redoing old performances or having the idea of something like a a retrospective of uh, different kinds of performances and then the idea of whether whether that takes the form of having you there or like do it doing these different things or whether that takes the form of your of videos of you doing the same thing. and it's and I think that, on the one hand the video has sort of the alleged you know going going back to Adriana's bringing up the illegal word deconstruction you know like the video at least has the has a kind of historical authority because it's a recording at a specific time so if you have a work from say 2005 the video was made in 2005 and is is has a sort of auth- authoritative relationship to the performance whereas if you do the performance of the 2005 work in 2020 then you're a different person you know who knows who knows what might have changed you know like you know maybe maybe your body looks different you know maybe you can't find uh, find the shirt that you were wearing anymore like they don't make it you know like any kinds of you know banal things that would that, peel away from the the authority that the video can assert but at the same time like you you're saying outright that that authority is like completely wrong like there's nothing authoritative about that video because it's inherently a terrible copy of the performance itself
1: well to be honest i didn't really said that well that's that's
0: that's true i'm putting <laughs> words in your mouth yeah
1: <laughs> a little bit but uh i don't want to be i don't want to let myself too much caught up in this in the discussion of is this a recording of the performance or this was the, mm-hmm. this was the documentation uh, uh there's too many nu- nuances i mean what i like to think of I mean, sometimes I, for example, I, I show, I don't show the recording of the, um, of the performance. I show recordings from the rehearsals. That's, and it, and I'm fine with that. I mean, in the sense of, uh, what I mean is when, when I, many times when I talk with a curator, I don't show the exact recording of the performance. I show the rehearsals. Sometimes in the rehearsals, things are more kind of vivid. Is, so, that,
0: all, is that also kind of a deferral again? We're, but we're back to talking about foreplay, that the, rehearsal, the video of the rehearsal is all about the promise of what the performance would actually be like, as opposed to a video of the performance that says
1: this is what it was like. Well, I tend to agree with you. I think it has more muscle, more meat on the bones, to you know, and uh, (laughs) and to some degree. (laughs) uh, But this is just how things sometimes happen with in my work. Um, I feel more true to myself, and I'm not saying it in a negative way. That when I do it, when I perform. In front of the public is not like that but when I perform when it's just me in the space and I and I perform for the camera or try out all the sort of things and there is something that it just grabs me more I don't know so yeah and if I recall that it's just um, I don't know I feel like it's more me it's more my material it's, that it, it is did I put more? But I think it, it's maybe just a preconception. I'm not sure about that, but this is how it works. I mean, with me and the terminology that you used is very sophisticated. I'm not sure if I get it right that you say that um, the performance it's more of. Um, can you repeat the, t- the the terms that you used? That
0: I used many, uh,
1: like. <clears throat> but you said something about the idea of the foreplay as- Oh, uh, that it's deferred, you know. Deferred, that you're, yes. Yeah,
0: you're, you're, you're putting off the, the the thing in and of itself is always kept at a distance. It's always in the future at some point. It's, it's to yeah. come.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, um, deferred, yes. It, is, it has to do, I guess, a little bit with the idea of editing- with the with um, I I hope I I am responding I am respond to your expose it, it, kind of like that. I have an edit like a thinking that works in terms of like editing, because I graduated painting. I'm I'm a visual person. Uh, I tend to know and to want a specific image. And uh, well, coming back to rehearsals, it's almost in a logic, logically, feasible that during the rehearsals, you go back and forth, and you can study yourself. And that's why I use the camera all the time when I rehearse, so I'm filmed all the time. And the idea that I know where I, can, I want to be placed, the, the, you know, the, the structure of the movement, the whole thing, for me is important. And I think I can, I have more takes during that time. So it offers me this kind of familiarity and this kind of, yeah, uh, context in which I feel more familiar. And uh, so it has to do with the sort of editing, the uh, the concept of editing, uh, of stopping time again and reposition the idea, which in a live performance, there isn't. It just goes on and on from A to B. That's it. So the idea of deferral maybe in this kind of, weird way, maybe I'm kind of a, a little bit approaching. I'm not sure if that's uh, a good answer for what you mentioned. But
0: one thing yeah. you're one thing you're pointing at is you know the the expression "we'll fix it in post." You know the idea that when you're making a video, you can make any number of errors that you want because you'll just fix it in post production, right? But yeah. there is no post to a performance.
1: There's Absolutely. only and a trace. Yes, it's only a trace. Very yes, and you cannot go back to yourself. You cannot view yourself. It's just everything mental, uh, you know. Uh, so, which it's also interesting and it's important. I mean, you cannot do a live performance without that. But um, I mean, that's why uh, right many people use mirrors when they rehearse. They have to see themselves doing something. So in you know, a life almost there isn't such a thing. So everything has to be kind of mental a projection, you know, right? And hopefully that you get, you'll get it right or whatever, but it has to do with the inability to come back to yourself and look at yourself, uh, which uh, I tend to like to some degree, but not all the time because I want to have control. You know, when I look at the footage, I want to know, I want, to, I want it to be good to have the, um, the precision. A lot in my work has to do with precision, you know, even with a notion that is uh, a little bit humoristic because precision is just something that you, it's almost impossible to get. What is precision? But uh, the, the thing that I want to be precise, precise about, I want to have it in the performance, you know, so because it has to do a lot with shortcuts with the idea of moving, moving on f- fast. In a fast paced, and so I want to deliver text, image, movement quite precise and quite programmatic. and that takes yeah, that takes kind of a things that I think are precise.
0: You're calling in from Romania, not to put words into your mouth, but you you gestured towards a a something about the level of support for artistic endeavors in romania and i i wanted to ask i've been meaning to ask many of the artists these sorts of questions but it always sort of fades away which is to think about unmute slash your practice slash you know what what your artistic life means within the context of basically the eu romania is is a particularly let's say interesting member of the european union because the the accession uh you know, for it, a lot of people are were unexcited about Romania's role in the, uh, Romania's joining the EU. Let's say, and uh, it 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 seems like Romania joined, and so the UK left in one way or another. But but here you are, and the you know, then these cultural institutes go and and fund the arts in some way and engage in something, in some kind of political soft power to express this kind of culture abroad. But that also sounds kind of funny to say that the Romanian government and the EU government are somehow doing this sort of thing together. So I was wondering, like, how, how do you see yourself as a Romanian artist versus an EU artist versus, or do these things not matter at all or?
1: Well, um, it matters to a degree, but uh, what I find uh, uh, that we are lacking here, for example, is the, the number of uh, events, exhibitions, and um, interesting. like the, So the cultural scene here is interesting, but uh, it's not that it's not on steroids, you know, like in other places. I mean, you cannot you cannot see things here as, the, like in London or in in other places, you know, uh, in in Bucharest, for example, right? So there is a degree of I don't want to sound violent or rude, but uh, provinciality uh, to some degree. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's, are, we have institutions. Uh, which are interesting also galleries also the Romanian Cultural Institute is doing a very good job at least for the past 15 years and I've been collaborating with them uh, quite a lot during uh, these years and uh, they're trying to promote all, all sorts of new names and interesting artists I don't see a, diff, a, a big difference or a radical difference between me living in Romania and another artist living in, in America or in another place in the EU. But it also depends on the type of artist that you are. And uh, so I travel a lot. I, I am not restricted, you know. Also, being in U- European Union made it easier because uh, with the lack of pass, passports and all this sort of things. So, but traveling, it's something that... Uh, it helps if you if you're coming from a kind of um, let's say gray country I don't know how you want to call it um, or not so developed or whatever light up I'm not sure. you actually called it you, you said at some point that uh, <laughs> that when we, when Romania came to EU other countries left.
0: The UK left yeah
1: the UK left. Why, why are you saying that? And this, this is a much more interesting question.
0: Oh, it, well, it's just, it's just very much tied in with, it, it's not a one-to-one relationship, obviously, but a, yeah. lot of the, the, a lot of the talk around Brexit was based around foreigners coming in and taking jobs from UK nationals. And Romania's accession was seen to put that on steroids like that it was it was one thing when it was polish and and lithuanians and whatever coming to the e, coming to the uk but once once romanians became part of schengen then forget it it woulds you know like you know like the country will just become romania again and yeah. i and i think that this or not again but will just become romania and i think that this is tied into a a strong european fear like racist fear of roma particularly um and like that's that's i lived in france for three years and and that was something that i i experienced and really couldn't couldn't explain in any way and so so just in that sense so there's um there's so my i also lived in lithuania for three years and um The there was a song for the Eurovision contest that came from Lithuania called the Eastern European Funk. I don't you know, it's okay if you don't know it, Um, I don't expect you to know anything about the about Eurovision in Eastern European Funk. There's these lyrics. Yes, sir, we are legal. We are, though we're not as legal as you. No, sir, we're not equal. No, though we are both from the EU. We build your homes and wash your dishes. Keep your hands all squeaky clean. And, but one of these days you'll realize Eastern Europe is in your genes. So, uh, genes there is, is in the lyrics, it's written genes like genetics, but I always also hear it as genes like pants, which is the idea of, uh, of this, um, the miscegenating force of the evil over-sexualized Eastern European coming and taking the virginal Western Europeans and, and creating and miscegenating to create these wild. New Europeans that are that have lost the have lost the Western refinement, I suppose. So I think that that's that's a lot of the rhetoric around the EU um, that I've noticed. And I don't think I'm paranoid about this. It has this element of it, you know, where uh, countries like Lithuania like Romania are also considered buffer states that they're brought into the EU, but not brought in entirely into the EU, because the idea is that they're just sort of space for where the next war is going to happen when Russia invades or however you want to think about it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So that's that's why I'm curious, like, Particularly about uh, about the artists from Eastern Europe, how they how they see themselves as part of the EU. Like, do you uh, do you see yourself like? Well, you said you know the the moving without passports has made things easier, and I know you've collaborated with people uh, with Western Europeans, etc. Um, so maybe maybe it's not something you think a lot
1: about, or not not necessarily uh... In these terms, uh, 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 I mean, you you made a kind of um, interesting, a complex uh, picture. Uh, I, I tend not to think so much like uh, in, in those terms. Uh, I noticed, you imagine, I mean, you can imagine that I noticed uh, some also kind of maybe racist uh, comments or looks or things like that when I'm abroad, or the idea that, you know, Roma people confuse Romanians with Roma. Um, 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 this is a group and um, uh, which you know it's yeah there are many kind of stereotypes going on around and um, the idea that Romania is kind of still poor or not poor I mean it's still developing country all the sort of things I have them I mean I'm, I'm facing them all the time uh, the, the idea of Romania as being a buffer yeah I can understand that Yeah, it, 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 probably it is to some degree it's true I mean uh we are closer in the proximity of Russia and some, you know, there are all sorts of strategies. If something happens in the region, Romania can be a partner, you know, like uh, I think in the direction that you're talking a little bit about. And that, um, troops, uh, American troops can come here and whatever, you know, because we have this partnership with NATO and all those sort of mm-hmm. things. I'm more concerned with, with the hardships and um the the neurosis that romanians have here that that we have about our own nationality about our who we are and all the sort of things that it seemed to be something that um close to being unable to kind of root ourselves and find uh, what is important in our lives and you know and um i think to some degree the, there is an air, air uh, or a breeze in romania you know blowing uh, in the direction of not of, of rejecting values you know and forget forgetting that we had important artists in history of art in literature people of uh, great value right dadaist you know a movement brancus Br- 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 that, but, but but also contemporary, you know, uh, movements. So I guess to some degree we are not far uh, from what's going on elsewhere. But we, but what we, I think, differentiates a little bit Romanians from other countries from from Europe is that we don't so much care about who we are as as a nation. I think you know we. But remember, we were, we were living 40 years, I just for a brief period, because I was born in 81, but we were like uh, really h- struck on our heads for 40 years in communism. Yeah. I mean, so in a way I find, I find the roots of this kind of behavior, of running away from everything, wanted, wanting more instead of less. Everything that Europe, you know, wanted to, uh, uh, so so we became a, a market, and we embraced that because we didn't had all the sort of things for the for for you know before. And imagine, I mean, there is a a, a word um, like a way of saying in Romania that uh, my parents we used to say that we we our generations of the par- my parents' generation, we uh, will not that our generation, so they were saying to us, so my, my father, for example, would say to me that you probably will uh, not see uh, a good ending either, a good kind of live uh, life either in Romania because uh, the way, you know, they, they, they really had high hopes in 1989 when the revolution came, but then it was such a slow process for, for the next 25 years or 20 years you know, uh, even even now, that they become t- totally disillusioned. There is their generation who are kind of like that, approaching 70, in their 70s, so they are like retired. And the gain is that, and the pressure more or less is is on us, on my generation, who are now like 40, because of the slowness and all this kind of, But. I, I, I all the time go back and because I am kind of interested in, in, in what happened in the communist time. And I think a lot of, a lot of uh, traits that we have now come from the fact that we were kind of broken down and almost to a level of our DNA, metaphorically speaking, there is a, a Romanian author who talks about that, that our DNA, even our DNA kind of, something in it is, is just rotten to a point Whoa, that, that, it that? Was, that it was so molested you know that our psychic was so molested during the 40 years i can give you one example the idea of like always always looking at your neighbor as, as a, a source of danger you know uh, that uh, he, he or she always probably wants something out of, from me so i might not just mess with that person the idea of no so un not trusting people. This is very bad, very bad. I mean, in general, the idea of not trusting your, your, your work, your co-workers, your, you know, all those sort of things. And then uh, the idea that somebody else always, always wants to kind of um, steal something from you, you know, and the idea of corruption that there is, you know, it was a lot of corruption in Romania, but it seemed that there is kind of a third, fourth, fifth wave of people uh, trying to think only in terms of their lives, you know, what I can get during my lifetime, that's it, that's important. So few people think think of I mean, few people, there is this feeling the general feeling in the air that nobody really thinks of Romania as a nation. Not like people think thought maybe in other countries, you know, like England or America or other things, you know, like what uh, who we are as a nation. It seemed that we are islands in a country. Everyone is like a, a small island and wants to deal and resolve his issues or her issues and move on without caring of the ne- of the um, you know. There is kind of eg- egocentric uh, society here, you know, and no, this is complicated to deal with, you know, when there is no solidarity or very few islands of solidarity, you know, but then this comes from communism, you know, because when you you couldn't buy anything like decently, you know, there was a fight for everything, for bread, for meat, for anything, you know, then for 40 years, you will get, uh, you will have this image of the other as somebody who can harm you. So you want to step over it, step, you know, and can do something about it. And we still have that. It's strange. Even my generation has it, which yeah. I told you I was nine years old when the revolution came. But somehow it just it just can't translate it, into, it to me. And I see it. You know, strange. It's just strange.
2: It's like thinking about that in respect to like movement, like a country that's always running away from itself. Um, or running away from the past, I mean, it creates this, yeah, transgenerational trauma that you're always kind of attempting to create something in opposition to the past. Um, And I can imagine, you know, that's just so, it can create, you know, a lot of bad feeling.
0: (laughs) Yeah, tension. That's that's also how I saw, you know, Adriana's questions about a lack Mm -hmm. of monumentality I also read with that that kind of uh, through an Eastern European lens of trying to trying to tear these tear down the concept of the monument, tear down the concept of the of a uh, tear down the idea of something deserving some some level of worship or some kind of special relationship in its in its in its representation, and instead trying to find other modes of connection and something a little bit more uh rhizomatic or whatever instead of you know and and spread out as instead of aimed at a specific monument in the middle of a town square or something
2: and then you're doing that with the branches i mean you're creating your own monument through the clay as this kind of capturing of temporality which is really interesting because monuments are all about capturing a specific moment in time to memorialize it to instate power to put it in the middle of the square. So everybody is constantly remembering this event. And yet this clay becomes the the non-event in a way because nobody really thinks about plants, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, but it's becoming, it's like capturing something that's really temporal. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's true. It, it has something to do with that. And it doesn't have, uh, in, in um, retrospect, it doesn't have this, um, it it does. I don't want to kind of concentrate power in it or um, um, a specific m- moment, as you said, very well. Yeah, in time, in a form of a sculpture, like a uh, like a bust or a portrait of some important person. It's not about that. It is something about uh, what Moisir m- m- was also m- mentioning: the idea of. Um, outside of the perimeter, perimeter or the, the circle of, the, of the, what is accept, normally accepted as, a, you know, the normative kind of way of looking at things and kind of dissipating um, yeah, tensions and, um, yeah, and coming back to it, so this is the monument, I mean, the, the, these objects are kind of solid, but it's not in their solidity the monumentality sits it's in the coming back to them to see if they fit how how they can fit ever in in the same in 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 the from the from the place they they come from in a sense so it is like you know it's a little bit like you know what a little bit of what what happens now with um uh, the whole phenomenon with uh, taking down scenes from video, from from films and um, statues and sort of that, but uh, I don't want to go too much into that. But it's the idea of of uh, impermanent, you know, and come and the idea, something that allows you to come back and rethink uh, or reposition and um, yeah. Which you know it's not like yeah, but history has kind of this uh, um, desire to fix uh, points in that are n- undiscussed, unquestionable after f- you know years and years and years. Uh, we tend to do it now with the, also with the postmodernist as you said, mentioned deconstruct to deconstruct and always kind of turn back and forth. but um it's uh, a lot of just narratives you, you know master narratives and talking about it and it's all also a lot in the words which i keep going back uh, at at it you know it's a lot in the words in in interpretation how we interpret things
0: uh, so maybe with that we can close uh, that with a re revalorization of the need for interpretive work and of the need of using language to understand to help understand artistic production and to understand the objects around us.
2: This was so nurturing. I feel so inspired. Like Thank you and, La- and Tao have made my weekend.
1: Like, oh my, oh God. my
2: <laughs> Lord, <laughs> it, seriously. You
1: know, it couldn't be uh, otherwise if you two weren't um, uh, the same kind, you know, working, it's a collaboration, I mean. I would, I would be totally probably different if, (laughs) you know, so, but, uh, it was a true pleasure to, to talk with you guys. Yeah. It was a good energy, I guess, too. Yes.
2: Yes. Yes. I'm sorry. Like my questions, I thought I, I felt bad. I didn't want you to think I was like attacking or something. I was just uh, excited.
0: (laughs) And if, if people want to learn more about you and your work, what should they do?
1: to learn more about my work what should they do but <laughs> well, god i don't know <laughs>
0: well, usually you would give a link here to a website or to your instagram or something
1: like um uh, yeah i think you know on my website it's just uh, i don't want to be too boring but with with the website but yeah on my website i think there's a lot of information and if people would want to find out more definitely
0: okay and can you give us the url
1: oh yeah <laughs> uh let, let sorry let me put it yeah
0: well no no say say it out loud so that if people are listening they can
1: all right so it's www uh, a, a alex mirutiu in one word so a i i'm hard to it's difficult for me to spell a l e
0: x m i r u t z i u
1: dot com correct
0: Yay!
2: <laughs> right,
1: and
0: that'll, that. that'll obviously be in the show notes as well, but okay, okay. thank sure. you very much, Alex.
2: Thank you, thank you Alex. Thank nice you
0: guys. to meet you. And, and have a great weekend. weekend. Thanks for listening, everyone. And I hope you can make it out to see the Unmute Show at Undercurrent on Friday. As always, you can find out more about Undercurrent at undercurrent.nyc, which includes links to Undercurrent's social media profiles and to this podcast's archive. We're also on Instagram as Undercurrent.nyc. Leave us a review, like, and subscribe to the podcast. On behalf of Undercurrent, 1984 Products, and my co-host Adriana Furlong, I'm Wasir, and until next time.